Hello and welcome to Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast. I'm your host Spencer and with me is, he's just a man, he has a couple wives and he just got a, a, a money order from uh, Mexico. Wow. I could. That's, a, that's the best you could do. do, do. You, you are Mexican, that's all I could think of. Yeah, sure. If if somebody, if one of my relatives from Mexico sent me a money order, I'd be like, "This is fake," because I don't know any of my relatives in Mexico. Oh, okay. <laughs> I ju- I just uh, I'm an elder. You should respect me, and also, I don't I don't know. I can't make a joke out of uh, the movie. It has okay. some silly stuff in it though. Yeah. Okay. So this is a secret episode. And uh, not sure when it'll come out in a month or two, probably. But uh, we have a special guest from the Final Girls um, podcast, uh, freelance writer um, Layla Layla Latif. That's right. You got you pronounced it right. I'm impressed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, greatly appreciated. Although it's kind of always that thing, like if you've got like an African name, where it's just like you know what, do your best. Just that you're trying is fine, but yeah, trying to up my game with that and tell people that like, uh, no, it's actually not Leela Latif. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, like you're like the first like, like you're one of the first like not friends we've had on a show, so it's like oh, I want I have to make sure it's actually. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Is this person an enemy? What's going on? <laughs> no. Uh, well, yeah. we're Twitter friends, and I don't oh, know if I that see. counts. So you are enemies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... No, I'm very supportive oh, of my right. likes and tweets, but it is always weird when you kind of meet in any capacity people that you kind of only know from social media because, you know, you kind of have that familiarity, but it's just like, oh, wait, <laughs> I don't know you, and you actually look kind of different from your little avatar, so this is yeah. weird. But uh, so this is on this episode will be on uh, Mondabi, the Sumbin movie that uh, just got a Criterion release earlier this year, or last yeah earlier this year, and um, so like uh, so uh, for a little uh, uh, backstory, uh, I saw uh, Layla post something that she wrote was writing about uh, uh, Mondabi or something, and I was like. Well, this is French New Wave season, and and Black Girl is French New Wave, so therefore also Ben counts as French New Wave. So we, uh, so something is open game. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a I I kind of can't entirely verify this, but I interviewed one of his like colleagues and documentarians, and apparently there is a version of this that mm. is in French because this was all made with French money. And one of the things that they had when they were making it was, you know, kind of to say you could do this was the understanding that this film would be in French, a bit like mm-hmm. Black Girl. But um, I'm not entirely whether sure whether he persuaded them or he just like on the sly decided to make it in Wolof. But yeah, the, somewhere I believe there is a French mm-hmm. version. Well, I mean, probably not anymore, but oh. there was at some point. Yeah, well, well we're going to jump into it now, like... Well, like, the movie being in Wall-Off is kind of hugely important, and, uh, I think a French, if it were French, it wouldn't be as impactful. It'd still be good, but not as important. Right. I mean, one of the impacts is yeah. that it's the first movie of in just that language, right? Yeah. I was reading. Yeah. 
yeah first in a african language yeah. of any kind but um which is insane because we're talking about the late 60s yeah. at yeah. this point because like egypt had movies but there was arabic and french though so, you know still not uh you know an african language yeah i mean it is a it is a crazy crazy thing that like when whenever you kind of come to african cinema not only like how late those firsts are but like often like how few films there are like why well, i was kind of looking into all of this and you know obviously sam bad was making his films but then if you look at just like the past 10 years of senegal like there's been so few films that have been made yeah it seems to be like the most productive places are like nigeria with nollywood and then um mm-hmm. uh egypt and egypt. the guy who made who killed captain alex where is he from uh uganda uh front uh-huh. was called what was that scene is called but he makes these like low budget like action movies that uh for what they are they're good but uh it's an acquired taste i'll, I'll put it that way um yeah yeah i'm not a huge fan of nollywood i was doing a, another a different article all about like oh here are 10 great african movies for you to watch to kind of if you're interested in watching some of those and like I, I couldn't actually find um, a really great. <laughs> you couldn't find Hollywood it. Film. <laughs> They're a little bit campy, a little bit like you know, a little bit yeah. silly. I mean, that's like a wasn't there? There's a documentary about the Nollywood films, right? And it it looked like they were trying to style it the way that the the Canon film documentaries have uh, looked and. If they're anything like canon films, I'm going to get a certain kind of kick out of it, right? Yeah. You'll get more romance mm. and more religious stuff in Hollywood. Well, if, the, if if I had to pick anything that canon movies typically were missing, it's romance and religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we need re- <laughs> more romance in Chuck Norris action movies. Yeah, it was breaking. Where was the part where they go to the church? There, uh-huh. there might be a part in break to go to church actually well you know that's like one of my favorite movies now so i can say for a fact that jean claude van damme is not in a church at any point not that he's the star of the movie he's just the star of my heart okay he's the star in everyone's heart oh. but, uh, but another star in my heart is Simben, who i kind of came too late i didn't see black girl until it came out on criterion but also it was kind of hard to come by before that mm. and I've seen uh, the last movie he did about the village where the women stopped the uh, female genitalia mutilation what's the movie called yeah that one mm, I've seen that. Black Girl uh, that was great I, I, I've seen five and all of them are great uh, but like I was telling Joel before we started recording that Mandabi second time through is funnier but also it ruined my day because the ending is so upsetting yeah um yeah i think it's it's funny like i don't want to kind of choose between my children because i love all of his films but um mandabi to me is on kind of like the most Mm. sembeni (laughs) in like a weird way it's like and i guess kind of like i have appreciation of like 
Like, I feel like the film um, Mangrove is the most Steve McQueen of the Steve McQueen films. And so I like it best as a because I just think like it's like the most of what he does mm. all at the same time. And I think that's true of Mandabi, where it's like he is doing his full some you know somebodyness verify when you first said um steve mcqueen i first thought of the actor from the 60s now like oh wait no this is the british steve mcqueen the other one <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's our, our current national treasure steve mcqueen yeah. uh, he uh apparently he's gonna do a paul robeson movie at one point but i really hope that comes to that comes fruition at some uh, he's kind of been doing a project on Paul Robeson for the past like eight years. It's like an oh. ongoing thing. Oh. Right? Um, that's that uh, it's an artwork, but I think he might. I think he probably should do it um, as a movie as well. But like the artwork's quite unusual. It's a lot of. Um, it's all about the just the FBI surveillance mm. surveillance of him. So it's like a weird like story told through surveillance. Right. Documents. That's that's crazy. That's an, that's an excellent uh, unusual way to look at somebody's life yeah. but also like very pointed in commentary that's cool yeah uh, cause, uh, uh last season we did a paul robeson episode and i forgot to mention that paul robeson went to england and he's like a beloved like working class hero over there but in america we're like nope he was a, he was a commie so we don't talk about him anymore mm-hmm. yeah with that and i think that's his like a uh, kind of slam dunk on uh, it as an insult <laughs> here if you're like super left wing it's like okay like half mm. of us are yeah uh, but uh, uh, Joel was this no you've seen Black Girl before but yes uh, was this the first time you've seen Mondabi yeah yeah I mean it only got resurrected in 2019 i think it was re- reading and even then it was like in fest like a, a film festival or something like that so there is a old dvd from maybe early 2000s that is really? a netflix dvd that i rented uh, a couple of years ago oh okay that's interesting yeah. i was just going by wikipedia which is where i get all my information oh. did you guys know vaccines are fake just kidding uh <laughs> i don't want to get into that um, but <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I had never heard of it. Uh, Sarah, my partner, was talking about how she had seen parts of it or heard of it from somewhere, and now I'm thinking she probably watched a special when they were re-presenting it, you know, uh, re-scanned with the 4K of the negative and things like that. And so, yeah, I wasn't wasn't familiar with it, but... I think uh, having watched some of the African movies for this podcast, not this, no, I mean this season included, uh, there's this familiar tone of the poverty and the religion and all that stuff like that. That, that, uh, I think this movie had funny parts in it, and okay. that's refreshing at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, I actually kind of think if you were to, if I had to pick one genre to watch for the rest of my life, it would be mm. tragedy comedy. <laughs> like, I really like those two things yeah, it, together. A, that was a good one. Chala. Uh, uh, do you say Chala or Zala? How do you say it? Chala. I okay. say Chala. 
but I, that might be wrong. I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I'm African, but I'm Sydneyese, so we've kind of mm. got a very different accent. So I don't know if I'm saying any of this stuff right. And I actually feel mm. with like all of the Semben titles, they are the exact opposite of how I think they should pronounce. Like when I first was learning, I was just like, oh yeah, you know, it's Sembeni, <laughs> it's Moulay, it's, you know, like it's, yeah, no, nothing was ex- what I instinctually okay. thought it was. But, uh, um, I, I think, uh, 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 I'm still not sure how to say. It. I'm now I'm, I'm self-conscious about saying it. Uh, uh, Chala, I think that would be more of a like a straight comedy, and uh, the tragedy is is lighter, but uh, it's still a, a really good. One. But um, so uh, to fill people in, because we haven't done a Simbin episode yet, um, how uh, Layla, how would you describe Simbin slash like, like, why he's so important? Oh, uh, okay. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think he's one of those people that, like, the more you look into it, the more interesting he becomes. So he was just, like, the son of a working-class fisherman from the Senegalese coast, and he was going to become a fisherman, too, but he had terrible seasickness. So instead, he joined, um, he kind of went to France, and he was, he fought in World War Two, and then he became a novelist, and he had a series of novels that did incredibly well. Um, but he felt that that wasn't going to like sufficiently reach enough people because so much of uh, the population in Africa was illiterate and he really wanted to, you know, as a Marxist, he really wanted to, you know, reach the working class. So he decided to that films were the way to do it. And I think he studied at the Moscow Film School and then he made a film called Black Girl, which was kind of the first... African, well, he made a short called Borom Sarat, which is all about a kind of, uh, I don't even know how you do it, like a guy with like a cart going around um, the city and like the different people that he encounters, but very much like a view of Africa from like a working class guy's uh, gaze. Then he makes this proper feature, Black Girl, which you guys have seen, which kind of becomes the first like internationally acclaimed um, uh, African film follows it up with Mandabi, which is the first African film to be in color, and the first African film to be in an African language. And then he, you know, the rest of his career, he would always, you know, make quite like controversial, edgy things. All of his stuff was quite political. Um, and, um, you know, I think it's like one of like the great oeuvres. And um, I, so I watched this documentary about six months ago if anyone is interested to learn more by um which is just called like Sam Ben with an exclamation mark mm-hmm. at the end which like really like tells that he was like this intensely complicated artistic genius and like a really like really like you know a difficult person yeah. in many ways but like you know not in a way that's like off-putting it's not like a kind of you know, oh, he was a difficult person. He was, like, abusive to anyone. It's more, you know, he had his, you know, personal problems. He very much thought of himself as being, like, a genius and, like, a visionary for Africa. And as a result, he would be, like, quite underhanded to he secured the funding to make things rather than anyone else. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. And then he made a film called Chedo towards the end of his career, which was quite critical of Islam. And that was... Like, a lot of his film had, had been, like, quite controversial. Like, you know, something like even this film, Mandabi, which seems quite tame from our point of view, 
but at the time in Senegal was thought of being like kind of anti-Senegal and like these aren't the stories that we need to tell we need to like uplift each other and tell positive stories about how how well we're, we're doing um, but it wasn't really till Cheddo which is kind of anti-Islam that he sort of got slightly uh, I don't even know like his popularity like really waned and he lost a lot of support and then it wasn't till Mulade which was the last thing he made and he made Mulade when he was like practically blind and like not long before he died and that is an amazing piece of work and it's kind of you know it's just like this cool internet intersectional you know African political filmmaker that was you know all of his stuff had like a lot of substance and a, a lot of weight and a lot of like feminism and socialism and you know criticism of colonialism like all of that stuff yeah so i don't know if it's clear i'm a big yeah. fan uh, i think everyone should be a big fan like his work is essential like uh like personally i like mbeti a little bit more but i think it's because i saw mbeti first and mbeti is more a little more whimsical mm. and more dreamy and more playful where simbin is the more serious one but like he's still like I say he's probably more important than Mbeti, if, if I'm being honest with myself, because he's had more stuff, per, more art made in his lifetime. But um, you know, it's not a contest, man. I we know. can all we can all be important. I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like him and Med Hondo for me. Those are the those are the two. Mm-hmm. And I listened to your Soleil O episode, and I was like very glad to hear, because that's one of the ones that's very hard to get your hands on. Well, certainly is in England. But like, yeah, it's like, and it seemed to be like that kind of early seventies was like a great time for these like amazing African auteurs, and it's died yeah. down somewhat. Now it's like um, Muhammad Salah Haroon, my favorite living filmmaker, mm. uh, and again, like hopefully Matthew Diop can um, you know get more stuff made. I don't know if. Yeah, Atlantis yeah, was We great. did an episode on that last season. That's one of my, one of my favorite movies of the past few years. But and I, I, yeah, that was another kind of depressing first though, because that I think that film was Cannes yeah. twenty nineteen, and that was the first African woman. <laughs> like, and it's like so. Yeah, I think sad. it was the first black woman period to get that award. Oh seriously, worse. Yeah, and follow the grand tradition of. The African film never wins Palme d'Or, but the Grand Prix. Uh, like Talai, mm. the Udrego movie got Grand Prix. Screen Man got Grand Prix. Uh, uh, Atlantic's got Grand Prix. Is this just a pattern I've noticed uh, with, with it? Yeah, that's a sad pattern. Yeah. You know. uh, I mean, I think that they at least, like, have a, like, the, I think the problem with Cannes, uh, and again, I have not been doing this for long, and I don't really know um, enough about it to kind of make these grand statements, is because they're so into being Cannes that I think maybe they're not that mm. self-reflective about, like, ooh, this is, like, messed up that it was 2018 and we still haven't had a single black yeah. woman, you know? Yeah, probably. I don't know. But, uh, okay, Joel, what did you think of, we were talking a lot, what did you, what do you think of Mandabi? I think that I really enjoy seeing 
life from any like non-city culture like there are parts of this where he enters a more city-like environment with paved roads and buildings like when he when he's trying to get any official proof that he is who he says he is you know and that that stuff is still interesting too because it's like seeing cars and like the way people drive and interact in the 60s is cool but like when he's he can't even take the bus because he doesn't have those 25 francs and we get to see him walking you know through these parts of the the place that he lives places that he has to walk many many times people walking by with the baskets on their head and and uh the children falling behind and I just was, like, entranced by, like, everyone wearing what they were wearing. I think that the cinematography is particularly interesting in the movie, like, throughout. The cinematography reminded me of um, uh, Curse I Was Ran, because in Iran, whichever you say it, because in that you get a lot of shots of people sitting down in a a triangle, Mm. and... and every time he's with his one of his wives, um, but 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 the wives like they sit in a triangle, and you get a lot of shots of them together sitting down. Mm-hmm. And given that Kurosawa was such a cinephile, I suspect he might have seen this movie. I think that like that happens a bunch of times, not just with uh, him too, but like certain. Uh, so there's that one guy who keeps coming over and asking for the, you know, can he just borrow 5,000 francs? Right. He's sitting outside with two other men at one point after they've, well, you know, like, oh, he said he can't cash the money order. Oh, he said the same thing to me. Like, nobody's trusting each other. And then there's the part where he goes to try to pawn that piece of gold jewelry, mm-hmm. those three sitting together outside having tea, you know, like, I'll give you 2,000. You're going to have to owe me 2,500. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the the parts that were fun, like I think it's funny, like in a comedy of errors kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like this guy cannot catch a break, but that's also part of the commentary and sadness. Like you you can mask it in like how ridiculous can this get? And at the end, it's like yeah, everything comes collapsing down because everybody's poor and everybody's desperate and you kind of I, I don't know if it was trying to point towards like these you know foreign influences because like the the people that were scamming him for the photo you're drinking wine which he doesn't you know he wouldn't be drinking alcohol yeah. um, and then things like the I don't know the the woman with the baby that was asked him for the twenty francs to get the bus home. And then later was like, I can't feed my children the twenty francs, and he's like, How could you? You know, you just asked me this twenty. You you know, you have no dignity or something like that. Uh, I I can't remember specifically what he was saying, but it was like these like she this is probably her job, right? She has to get the money that way. Like, she's no worse off than the other people who come up and ask for this. 
yeah. for what they need. Like yeah, it's, it's this is just poor. Like everybody's poor. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I've seen this film like a few times now, and I'm never a hundred percent whether it's yeah. the same woman. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's like. I'm always just like, like, which I think is also Ibrahima Jeng's reaction to her about like, kind of, am I going mad? I'm sure it was you, mm-hmm. but was you? But I guess it's that thing that it kind of doesn't matter whether or not it's her again specifically, because it's the same problem everyone's having again and again and again, and you can't get the bus, and then you also can't feed your kid. Like those things are both true. And they can be happening to one person or to multiple and, uh, people. I was on the, the production booth talking about Tuki Buki and the guest, um, Ben Buckingham. He pointed out that in Tuki Buki and uh, in some other African, African films he's seen, that there's this Kafka structure to it of like uh, the mm. situation keeps getting more absurd and challenging, and it's the world just pe- keeps piling up more and more on the protagonist. And he pointed out something about Kafka that I never really uh, realized is that in the Kafka story, the pra- protagonist is a white person, and they and they don't know why it's happening. But in like Tuki Buki and Wandabi, there's a sense of like they know why it's happening. Mm. Wow, that's so sad. I thought I was like I got <laughs> I thought I'd gotten all the sadness out of this film. That it was possible to get, yet here it is, another layer. I think it's funny. I mean, I think the thing that I, you know, because I came to this film and I didn't really know what I was going to have expecting because I'd seen just, I think this is the second Sam Ben film that I'd seen after Black Girl. And Black Girl is a much more straightforward kind of tragic protagonist. Like she's beautiful and idealistic and a good person and she gets treated so badly. But like this, like from the moment, like, Ibrahim and Jay is kind of, pre- you know, presented as being a bit of a buffoon, like, you know, he's a bit gross, like that scene where he's, like, <laughs> stuffing his face and then getting his, like, wives to rub his belly. It's like, it is a bit like, you know, he's off-putting. And so I think that sort of makes the whole thing somehow more effective because we're kind of, not against him, but not rooting for him that hard for, like, the first act. And it's only, like, as it gets increasingly awful that it kind of slowly dawns on you about, like, God, this guy really doesn't deserve this. This is, you know, horrific. Yeah. Um, I wanted the, uh, well, uh, Layla, you'd probably know this. Is the the shorter wife the one that talks more? Is that one of wives from Chala? Oh, I don't know, actually. I feel like it is the same She looks thing familiar. I, I watched... Yeah, I watched um, Hala for oh, the first okay. time quite recently. Um, possibly. Okay, oh. I'll get, get my okay, IMDb going. I just recorded one on, uh, on that and seen that face. Like, I'm pretty sure it's the same actress, but I'm not 100%. But, um. Yeah, I did recently recognize the father from Moulade in the excellent um, Night of the Kings from Philippe Lecot. Oh. So it is nice to see that these African actors are getting steady work in excellent yeah, that's, films. That's on my list of uh, I have to watch that pretty soon. Hopefully I will get to that's it. Great. But uh Okay. Um, so uh, Joel, you've only seen Black Girl, right? 
not not the other ones. No, yeah, just just black girl. Um, are you are you open to watching more some then? No, you know, I, I think <laughs> from now on I'm just gonna uh, I'm only gonna watch Charlie Chaplin movies. That's I've decided. Okay. It's weird. I mean, I know that you're joking, but I actually have only seen one Charlie Chaplin movie, and I was done. I was just yeah, like, cool, I think I I've get seen this. Two. And like shorts. So. No. Now, the, the thing is, I'm not worried about Charlie Chaplin movies going anywhere. You know, that's that's how I feel about most mm. like things that a lot of people have seen, and that's I think that makes me come off as a snob. It's like I'd rather see something not a lot of people have seen, but it's it's not that I don't want to see you know charlie chaplin it's not that i don't want to see whatever the super the oscar winning movie that came out last year was it's it's just that some of these african films some of the japanese films we'd watched from previous things like i feel like i'm not going to be able to see them unless i take my chance to see them right now because the world's gonna blow up in two days no wait uh just just because like if they're curated they may go off of streaming like and if you know especially with the i'm thinking specifically of some of the japanese ones we watched mm-hmm. on the first season it's like some of those movies you just can't see unless they're on criterion or one of the other streaming networks that occasionally puts on those movies like there's not a dvd yeah well you know, in America, and because I, I have yeah, to get for, some imports, because like a lot, there's a lot of Japanese films that have not made it across uh, to over here for yeah. reasons that I that maybe right, maybe just like American distributors aren't interested. I don't really know. Maybe I think it's probably even worse over here. If I'm honest, like I mean, half of these the things that I get to watch, like only can because they're sitting on youtube and there's so much kind of disputes over the rights that like nobody's right. kind of claiming them and that even happened like recently with like Ch- mm. chloe zhao i wanted to kind of watch some of the background stuff that she had and i was just like oh okay the only way to do this is because it's sitting on youtube because nobody cares about these early films and then of course she wins an oscar mm-hmm. and now they're all behind a paywall and <laughs> like you have to buy a dvd which is you know which is fine i'm just you know i i totally get your anxiety around like these things can just be tied up in bureaucracy and and kind of also just disappear i'm i'm very uh very persistent in making sure i can get every african film i can on disc because i don't trust streaming that much it's it's fine but there's still an element of like well this can disappear one day and i'll never be able to see it again Exactly, but uh, I demand object permanence. <laughs> yeah, because also you have to, you can pay for stuff like you can pay for things and then they just go. And like I've um, I just discovered that all of the basically the entire cast, back catalog of Yusuf Shaheen is just on Netflix because I assume there was just some like film geek that um, works for them that just snuck yeah. them on there. Um, and like they're all fantastic, but I feel like they could go any day, and then that would just be it. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Cairo Station is the one that's available in a lot of places, but the rest is kind of like, good luck finding it if it's diff- once it's gone off of Netflix. 
but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the things about Mulati, not Mulati, uh, Mondavi that like really stuck out to me is just, like how, like how capitalism and money is this always leads to the worst uh, outcome. Always. Mm. And it's weird because it's like it's a film that's so much about money, but you actually don't ever really see money. Like I think you, it really leans hard into the idea of like money as a social construct. Yeah. Like this is not yeah. anything. This is just like the potential for misery and yes, yeah, especially for and, him. Yeah. yeah. Every every time he gets the bills, like all of a sudden people are taking as much as they can for either things that he's promised or that he like he is a generous man so when someone asks for help he can't help but help yeah and i mean that's very true to my experience growing up in sudan like that people have less but there's such a kind of cultural thing about like you have to be generous like it's almost and i it's funny i remember like moving over to the west and finding that like people could almost be like slightly proud of being a bit stingy and having like boundaries around what was theirs and what was someone else's which i mean i don't even put a value judgment on them it's just kind of very weird because i was like where i came from that was like the most shameful Mm. thing you could do it took me a little while to get used to. And now you hoard all your gold with the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I just made a Scrooge McDuck style uh, swimming pool with all of my many dozens of pounds I make from film oh, yes. journalism. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, you mentioned the feminism of uh, some Ben earlier, and uh, like the or, and like. I say a number of African films, but like some Ben seems the one that, who consistently like considers the point of view of women, and it's uh, even like sometimes it's like even if I can't, even if it's not like feminist per se, this he still like will have female characters like as characters, and it's just a very refreshing thing to see that uh, that's such a that's a recurring thing, except for his World War Two movie, but like. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I think he was good, very ahead of his time in that way. And, like, even, like, where you can, in this film, see, like, the women kind of knowing their place in a, in, in a way, like, you know, but he sort of frames that as, like, kind of, well, look how awful that is. It's not kind of, you know, and he, he I think he judges Ibrahim Ajeng quite harshly for how he mm-hmm. treats his wives. Yeah, like one of the like first things that really stuck out on the second viewing is um, the white baby doll, and and like that just like is such a like to me like such a haunting image of like they're free from France, but like the one of the first thing you see is the the children playing with a, a white baby doll, and then they talk about Franks, and this is all these subtle, uh, like, uh, uh, things associated with France and like. Even though you know they're free, like they still can't break away from, uh, you know, the the the, the colonizer. 
Yeah, and that's something he definitely did with a few of his films. Like, that's so true of in Hala, that there's just, like, literally a white <laughs> dude that follows the president around from, like, scene to scene. So, like, in some ways, I guess he got a lot uh, less yeah. subtle. Like, <laughs> yeah, and the white guy's name is DuPont, too, which is the real, like, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting, because it's kind of like you have this, like... I don't know, like, there's sort of such a white presence without there being a white, without being having white characters. Like, I guess that's kind of what Mandabi is about in its core. It's just like, what happens when these people have left? Like, what's left behind? Yeah. And uh, I always bring this up about the language barrier when African films, because, like, uh, there's, because uh, the common people, uh, the poorer people speak uh, Wolof, and the upper class and rich people, and like the like the, the bureaucrats, always speak French, and it's just like very, and like it, it's always a very clear distinction of like when French is used and not used, and like its place, and it's just like a, a very, uh, it's a subtle thing until like you're aware of it, and it's like oh this is like. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. I mean, it's a classist thing. Is what you're, what, like, it's the same thing with the fact that he can't... Mm. He's unable to read, but, like, I think people have all this re- respect for him. But the second people know he can't read, he's unable to, like, handle the bureaucratic crap he has to do just to get this money ordered, uh, order taken care of. Like, that's... People who are more educated, who fit better into the, uh, the whatever that, what is the word I'm looking for? The, the, the colonization society that they've got, basically. Like, those are the people like, oh, I can definitely take advantage of this rube in almost any way I can. And there are people who are just outside that, that are have learned like uh, the only way that they're going to get ahead on this new life that's being forced upon them is is to steal and trick other you know rubes is the word rube racist is there is there a rube people spencer there could be i I apologize to all the rubes out there Yeah, no, I did like, one of the things I did like about it, because often when I watch films, I think about the film that could have been, like, the worst version of this film, and I think it would have been easier to have, like, all of the sort of Africans on the outskirts of Dakar as being, like, really, like, wonderful, noble people, and then it's, like, just a journey into... You know, as he goes into Senegal and it gets increasingly bad and it's the bureaucracy and everything. And I do like that he didn't kind of make it that straightforward. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, like I always say it's about like uh, filmmakers are like, like he like he uh, he assumes you're an adult that can think for yourself and can like uh, like uh, 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 and like he doesn't need like he. Like there's a lot of subtlety, but like the movie is very subtle until there's until it's not. But there's still a lot of um, like like he's not he's like it's not like telling you word for word this is what's wrong. It's just kind of like 
You okay? Take your time. Yeah. He's not like spoon feeding you the message. Like, he assumes you can pay attention and figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We can have like a complicated protagonist and a complicated society and a complicated relationship with money and with, you know, between genders and class and stuff. Like, nothing is clean cut in this world, but like, nothing's clean cut for adults in real life yeah. either. And if he's making the movie for the people that live in that society is making it in a language that they, he can understand. He knows he doesn't have to explain like why things are bad for certain people in the area. It's like, you guys are all living this. This is just a little, you know, slightly humorous, but also just like on the nose commentary of like how we have to live right now. Yeah. Yeah, so this was, um, it is adapted from one of his um, novellas. And from what I understand, I haven't actually read the novella, but I did ask an mm -hmm. expert about it. But like, there is a lot more background about Ibrahim Zhang in the novella. And I think it's, it, it kind of picks up just on what you were saying about like, in that scenario, you're only writing it for people who can speak French and can read. So that's like a different section mm -hmm. of society. You might have had to have done that explaining. But this, because he's making it to like hold up a mirror to these people about their own lives, we actually don't really know, we don't learn much about him at all. It's just kind of assume you can kind of fill in the gaps as to why his life is the way it is. I think in the novel, there's kind of just more stuff about like, oh, the strikes that have happened and he was out of work because of this reason. And there's, the, you know, like it was just more specific. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, the novel is if he gets a Criterion uh, DVD or Blu-ray, it comes with uh, the novella, mm -hmm. and uh, I pre-ordered. Oh, yes. it does. And I pre-ordered it, but I don't know if it was a pre-order thing or like a standard thing with it. I don't. They don't typically do pre-order specials for Criterion okay. stuff. So it probably is the standard. Um, Unless you didn't order it from Criterion, you know, maybe like the outlet you order it from also had copies of the book that they just taped to the back of it no it's kind of like uh this is a, a can we bring this up sin city like there's a special edition of sin city it comes with oh yeah how it just came with a booklet inside <laughs> yeah yeah that's a oh my god you remember sin city that's a blossom <laughs> yeah um i think i still have the 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 uh, little book that came with actually somewhere in my apartment but, which um, one the sin city book yes yeah, city book no no that's great because it's, it's those books are much bigger than the little one that it came with and like that's the perfect size yeah but uh uh frank miller aside uh uh this felt like stylistically felt like like a uh, similar to ozu except uh ozu isn't as acidic and mean-spirited as this could get like Ozu feels mm. more um he, he's he's as critical of society but Ozu feels more like it's like it's a gentle stab of like look at our culture but this is like um look at look at what France has done to our culture this is horrible he's got like yeah his aspects of your relatives coming to pester you because of something that you were supposed to have done and you didn't like and 
the Ozu characters are polite, but they're also since he usually focuses on like the women who have to mm-hmm. stay home, like they're they're gossipy. Like I don't know if that's. I mean that I feel like that's a universal aspect for anybody who like hangs out in their neighborhood. You don't have to be a woman, but yeah. in the Ozu's case, it was usually the the ladies talking to each other and and like like well he had money oh he didn't have money and and or whatever yeah. like oh and there's they don't have much rice because they're the poor family or something. But yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. There's no there's no third party ak colonizing force and at least not in the ozu i remember like there's no um, american arc, presence right it's hint to that because like the early ones he well the the, uh, the the like the famous ones like he couldn't talk about america that much he can mention movie stars every so often like there's like uh-huh. gary cooper and audrey Hepburn get brought up and but like yeah there's like some america yeah, um, yeah, you're right. It's not as much on talking about Americans, but, uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think Senegal just also has like a very weird relationship with its kind of colonial power in that they didn't have this like giant battle to overthrow the French or anything. It kind of just fizzled out in many ways. Mm-hmm. And so like, there's like. But I guess when something fizzles out, you don't have a expelling everything revolution. We must kind of remake society in our image sort of thing. Right. Like it's like so in a way that they're sort of a, like a, more of a lingering presence than they might be in other places. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, oh, oh, one language thing I noticed is that um, they greet each other in Arabic. Not not in Wolof, which yeah. uh, it's a Muslim country, so that's why. But it's well, probably Muslim, but it's still a, a, an interesting thing to like notice, like the mix of different languages. Yeah, so uh, from what I understand, Wolof is mostly spoken by the Muslim populations oh, okay. of that area of Africa. I'm not 100 percent on this, but I think so because it's spoken in like Mauritania and you know various places. But I think. It's one of those weird things because all of the borders in Africa are just colonial constructs, and so it's like as you get weirdly like languages that span several countries, but for like let's say the Christian population of this or the Muslim population of this that sort of thing. So yeah, and I think any kind of Muslim culture. I mean, I'm noticing because I speak Arabic, but like even when I've been with like Pakistani friends and stuff like that, like they're like the language is peppered with Arabic, oh. even though they're not speaking Arabic per se. Oh, okay. So, uh, Joel, you have to go somewhere soon. Uh, so this is, uh, do you have anything to recommend from 1968? Or not really? Um, or around yeah, the same I'd like, time. I'd like to recommend, uh, a little movie called, uh, 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 no, we already talked about this with like the Bride War Black and yeah. Boston Strangler and wait, we didn't watch the Boston Strangler. Yeah, maybe you did. Other movies. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you can just listen to that episode again. Uh, 
Yeah, why do I have to do all the work for you? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I have two quick ones. If Furu came out around this time, the first uh, African novel internationally published uh, that was written by a woman, because there were other books written by African women that were published internationally. This is the first novel. I want to emphasize that. Flora Nawapa wrote it, and it's a great book. It's a tragedy, but uh, more people should read Flora Nawapa. She is a very important uh, literary figure, and also it's a great writer. And Story of a Three-Day Pass came out in 68, the first um, event Melvin Van Peebles movie that we did an episode on last season. And that movie is great, and um, I'm glad Cartierian and Cartierian is going to do a, a restoration of it and release it next year because the it does not look that great, and I want to see it look pretty for once. Oh, that sounds amazing. What's that, that about? Is um, an American GI is stationed in France. And he has a romance with mm -hmm. a white French woman for three days. And it's just basically about how, like, even though he's not in America, like, he still is, like, paranoid that, like, uh, that, like, uh, racism will catch up to him. And, spoiler alert, it might catch up to him. And, um, uh, mm -hmm. it's currently, like, on YouTube and other places, but the, it's, like, VHS quality. And... This is the this mm -hmm. will be the first time it's been restored, pretty much ever. Yeah, I think it's um Ashley Clark who's now kind of the person who's making a lot of these decisions over at Criterion, oh. and uh, he's gonna we're gonna get a lot of good restorations I think under his reign. Cool. I mean, that means uh, Charla kind of finally gets a uh, clean up. Yeah, that would be great. Because, I mean, I really like looking at this restoration of Mandabi. You can really see. I mean, I don't even fully understand how they do these things, but it is, like, gorgeous. Even that scene, like, quite early on when Ibrahim Ajeng puts on that, like, pale blue robe. Like, I almost gasped <laughs> because it was just gorgeous. Like, it's a real... It's a real feast, which is kind of nice because you think when people think of African cinema, they might think of something that wasn't was sort of like worthy but not like aesthetically that enjoyable and I think this really is yeah. he, uh, Simba knew what he was doing he did he did and uh, you know I guess it, it takes a very special person to be like a kind of pioneer yeah. like you don't just sort of you know you don't get to be mediocre and be like the first African to do all of yeah. these things. All right. Uh, what what are, what are your recommendations for '68 or around the time? Uh, so I was trying to think of like stuff that kind of vaguely related to this, and like slightly before, um, there was a film called a uh, book called A Man of the People by uh, Chinua Achebe, who, which I think is just quite like an interesting companion piece because it's. It's Nigeria, not Senegal, but it's a similar kind of idea of like what is like the legacy of colonialism and the way that it manifests in like corruption. And it's got that similar like tragic comedy vibe, I think, to Mandabi. And then I, the um, Night of the Living Dead, which I believe was that year. And I just, for no real reason beyond that, I love that mm -hmm. film. 
Uh, Dwayne Jones. Real hunk in that movie. Dwayne Jones. Yeah, I mean, Gander and Hess is probably up there my top ten favorite ever films, but this is, um, you know, I mean, think he think he's just the two performances. Um, uh, Losing Ground is the other one. Catherine oh, Collins, okay. the oh, only well. movie. Oh, what is that? Is he a lead in that? Uh, or supporting is it character. More supporting. And there's like, not Breaking Two. I'll take then it. Some canon movie like Breaking Two or something, in a small part. Joel? He goes to church? Uh, no, I can't remember what... He's in that other random movie, Dwayne Jones. He's the, like, the, the last one. I forgot what it's called, though. That's okay. It doesn't matter. I don't... Uh, I could look it up right now, but... Yeah. I'm not going to, because I'm a professional. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, uh, but, yeah. They're all sort of quite... You know, I suppose it's that thing of like, if I was gonna kind of rather like tenuously tie the three together, they were sort of about blackness in contrast to whiteness, but still keeping the blackness at the center. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Although, although I think George R. Romero always said that he just cast Dwayne <laughs> Jones because he gave the best audition, which I, I don't actually he believe. He said that about all his movies about their about like messaging or whatever. It's like, okay, George, whatever you say. <laughs> yeah, it was a total accident. <laughs> yeah, just uh, just happenstance. But uh, uh, Layla, thank you for coming on. You have an, a free pass to come on again if you want to. And Definitely. Oh, I would yeah, love that. And uh, well, actually, when he stops recording, and tell you what next season is, is going to be. And um, yeah, so this will come out in September or October. And uh, uh, Madabi is easily available now. Uh, everyone, amazingly, yes, thank <laughs> God. And hopefully, this means more Simbin will be available, and when more African movies will will be available. But uh, uh, yeah, so. Uh, the, the, they know where people know where to find me and Joel. But Layla, where can people find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Layla underscore Latif, and I post everything that I write and on there. So steady stream of content coming from me. But yeah, um, I just say if you're interested in more African cinema, I do have a piece for the BFI, which is like a intro to ten great African films. Yeah which probably you guys have maybe heard of and watched almost all of them, but um, they're people that haven't done such a comprehensive dive into movies as you. Hey. People with lives. <laughs> yeah. It's a great list, and I'm not, I, I'm not just saying that because the Haroon movie's on there. It is a great list. Yeah, I did, it was, it's always those things that they can give you a list of 50, and like, I still stay up at night that like, I didn't put two kibuki on there, <laughs> but I did mention it in my uh, Matty Diop passage because that's her uncle. Oh, yeah. And I figured, like, it's obviously a fantastic film, but I was like, it's on a lot of lists, so I gotta try and do a few maybe less seen. I guess it's, it's, it's like you guys were saying, I'm not worried about two kibuki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, but, yeah, that's it for this episode. Uh, uh, I don't know what's coming out around this time. I had to move the schedule around because of, you know, uh, 
things. Things with the with the a certain guest too. Yeah, Tom Cruise, get back to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's it. Thank I really you. want to know what he has to say about African cinema. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, see you guys next time. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Stop. The show can be found on Twitter at Piano Player Pod. Our email is still highlowpod at gmail.com. You can find a show on Spotify, Podbean, and various other places where you can find podcasts. Our intro music is by Vivian Fop, and our cover art is by Sarah Roberts. You can find her art, sarahkathleenroberts.com. And thank you for listening. Bye.